Yong. Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake on the Rest of the Development Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron, and today we're going to be talking about episode 10 of season 4, Queen Bee, which was broadcast with the rest of the episodes on the 26th of May 2013. Uh, the central character for this episode is Lucille, and in the credits you can hear a little bit of violin. Um, it was the 10th episode produced. This is, the, I think, the only time in the entire season where the episode production number is the same as the episode kind of broadcast number. The episode was written by Richard Rosenstock and Dean LeRae, and, as with all the other episodes, directed by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Miller. This episode runs for 33 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, so that is a substantial... I mean, what's that, like uh, 11 minutes over, like a network episode? So you're getting 50% extra Lucille for your money here. Joining me to talk about it is Jordan Sam. Hello, Jordan. Hello. And uh, let, let me give you the summary as it appears on the DVD menu, and it, it goes as follows... Uh, Lucille finds that her children have already started divvying up her things and adjusts to her new home. And I, I mean, I don't think it <laughs> tells you anything about nope. the plot. There's one tiny little kind of plot driver in this episode, which is Lucille finds out about halfway through the episode that the guards are going to, and her, her gang that she's a member of, are already starting to divvy up her things by putting their names on little stickers on each of her items, including an ashtray made by... Uh, George Michael, um, and so that—that's what—that what drives her to go and you know seek therapy from Tobias. Like other than that, I don't think it's really you know that much of a like a plot thing. It's it, I, I don't know. It's really weird that that's the way they they've kind of decided to phrase it on the DVD menu. Yeah, they. I mean, they, aside from they, aside from the title character, they don't seem to have really put much thought into what's written on there. It's, it's really weird. Sometimes I wonder who who they get to to do the little blurbs like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um I think um someone once pointed out that I don't know if it was um on Netflix but regular show had just basically some some of these weird really weird plot summaries where it was just this guy rambling uh, like like basically it's like you know you ever had like a Pepsi or something like that like he would just go on to these random yeah. tangents <laughs> like none of the none of the plot summaries were uh very clear what the show show or episode was about it was weird I, I mean this is not quite as you know, yeah. um, odd as that, but like kind of missing most of the idea of yeah. what the plot is. You know, she's she's in prison. She goes to trial. You know, like there's a whole there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in this episode. Um, and we start with a segment from the real Asian prison housewives of the or- sorry of the Orange County of the Orange County white collar prison system. <laughs> like uh, again, one of these. Yeah, well, yeah, L-I-T-E is, is added on at the end there without them actually saying it. Yeah, and um, I, it's just, they, they talk about how they have um, no, N-O-H. Um, she says, we're a gang, we stick together, uh, but one of our members is a real B word. And then you have um, Olive Garden, sister of China Garden, um, <laughs> saying that she's, that they're sick of her bossy, bossy behavior. Um, and then you have Mrs. O. Um, played here by um, comedian and actor Bobby Lee. Um, I'm not quite sure why they went with with that as the choice, but anyway. Um, and he says, you know, that they'd they normally vote Lou out, but uh, in prison they end up, you know, she's going to end up on the wrong side end of a noodle uncooked. And we see uh, we see Mrs. O sharpening up some noodles, and then we cut to Lucille, who is who is captioned as L U, and <laughs> she says. The bark is louder than the dogs they eat back home. 
And then she goes, anyone who comes after me is going to be one unfortunate cookie. Uh, and then, of course, Jessica Walters laughs. And then she says, and this becomes an odd little catchphrase for her during this episode. Um, and as this is her only episode, essentially the series, uh, I made a pun. And then, and then, and then we get the, the credits. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, this is Lucille's only episode. And so up until this point, you know, the show has had each of the other members of the family not turn up to her trial. Yeah. Um, now, we obviously Buster's episode comes after this. Um, so we won't find out why Buster didn't show up until, you know, a couple of episodes time. Um, but uh, before, you know, so we, we know the trial is going to happen and we've been teased Throughout the entire season, through other you know episodes, that, that every single member of the family has missed it. And some of them have missed it deliberately, and others have been passed out on the floor of a sweat lodge, <laughs> losing a couple of days. So, you know, like some have legitimate excuses for not making We see, as we have done with pretty much all of the, the kind of the episodes for the characters, you know, like their, their first episodes of the season, we see Lucille on the Queen Mary. She calls for full steam ahead. <laughs> And uh, unusual, unusually, uh, this isn't footage from uh, the episode and it doesn't have the scene stealer pro stuff over it. Uh, this is actually kind of new footage of her on the um, in the, the you know, the control room. Yeah, um, it starts with and, the scene stealer trial version thing and then yeah, goes through new stuff. Yeah. Which... Yeah, because just for that full steam ahead bit, it's that, yeah. and then they quickly cut to like new footage, uh, which is unusual because up until now, almost all of the action that has taken place on the Queen Mary has only been from the final episode of season three. Um, <laughs> so, but obviously, we've got to explain why she turned around. In every other episode, John Beard has said no one knows why, but she turned around and went back to shore. And we see here that, you know, Lucille has called Lucille Ostero and she's taunting her. Um, you know, their kind of playful, um, you know, back and forth uh, has been something, uh, you know, of a, a kind of feature of this of the show up to this point. And we find out that while on the deck, um, she she called um, Lucille and started taunting her. And of course, Lucille, too, says that she never got the invitation. And then she starts saying, you know, I feel like I'm there because of it's it's all over the news. And Lucille just saying that the, the, their back and forth is great. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Lucille says, you must be mistaken, because usually I can see you as hard as to miss as, as uh, Liberace wearing a fright wig. And of course, <laughs> Lucille, too, says, uh, that is you. I'm practically cr- counting your crow's feet. And this is where Lucille says, well, maybe I should turn back and show you another bird. And of course, um, Lucille 2 hangs up on her. And this causes, um, you know, Lucille to turn the boat around <laughs> to go back simply to kind of taunt Lucille 2. And that is why she did it. And it's really weird because we've had like a whole season of John Beard, you know, in each of the news reports saying no one knows why she turned around. That, of course, will actually be you know the the basis for her defense you know that is why she turned the boat around and she doesn't say it was because she was merely taunting lucille too i thought it was because she basically ran out of like cellular distance it sounded like the phone cut out because of, of uh loss of carrier or something 
not that either one of them hung up on each other. Although, it, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that is what that what uh, Lucille Teal did. I mean, I, do, I don't know because I, I don't know what like cell phone coverage is like on yeah. ships in the middle of the sea. So, you know, like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about that. But obviously, you know, the fact that she turned around was just to taunt <laughs> yeah. Lucille too. That's that's the that's the underlying thing. And of course, we see an earlier scene from uh, I think it was George's episode where he where Barry is talking about you know the good news and the good news being that the the legal fees are going to be really high and he's going to make tons of money and, <laughs> and the narrator is like correction good news for barry yes <laughs> he says uh i can see from where you are it's all bad news this is where we end up with you know buster and lucille tony hale you know he has his own episode later on he's barely appeared in anyone else's episodes and here he has a couple of scenes he doesn't have a great amount in this episode but he does have quite a lot of stuff in the first kind of like 10 minutes of the episode before Lucille goes off to prison, uh, before the trial, basically. Um, and he, he's, you know, she, here Lucille comes up with the idea that she commandeered the ship and she was going to save Buster. And then she says to, to Buster, tell them what you, I did and winks. Tell them the truth. Yeah, the truth. It's more a of a walk course, than Buster, a wink if you ask me. Yeah, and, and Buster, of course, goes... Oh, she stole the, the Queen Mary to get away from the SEC, yeah. and then she winked. <laughs> and then he goes, correction, it's a glare. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I kind of love. It's interesting because <laughs> when when Lucille, Lucille's arrested, and when she returns home, uh, they, they see, like, her, you know, she has, like, a, a whole table full of martinis already made. Um, so that, you know, Buster wants to make it clear while she's under house arrest that, you know, he, he missed her. Um, and at this point, they decide that George Sr. should move out. This is obviously something that was, you know, earlier discussed in the first George episode in order to make the fake divorce look real. And, of course, you know, they announce they're getting divorced and obviously Buster is, you know, beside himself and we've seen that in a couple of other episodes um and you know we then we then get the idea that it's a trial separation and lucille once again laughs and says uh, i made a pun (laughs) even in these stressful times (laughs) we then we then see you know this kind of odd moment where buster and lucille are watching you know the tv show (laughs) and they find out about the word, the, the phrase hot mess. Both of them kind of mouth hot mess, which is like a really weird moment. And I like as well how, as Buster and Lucille are spending time together, and obviously they're by themselves, everyone else has, you know, pretty much moved out or moved on. Buster starts doing this weird thing where he refers to himself as like the star witness, and, and <laughs> Lucille keeps saying key, key witness. Key witness, star witness. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they kind of. But the funny thing is, is that um, you know, Buster then at one point, you know, he he talks about you know, he he like starts threatening the key witness, which is himself. Yeah, I love. I also love the scene where he's like basically trying to imply that he wants you know something in return for being the key witness, and is and it's just like (laughs) making motions with the claw. And uh, Lucy was like, "Are you trying to go like this? You know, like rubbing fingers together for money?" And he's like, "Yes, and I want want a claw that can do that." Yes, and as there is no claw that can do that. Um, uh, or is there no hook, sorry, that can do that? Because obviously he's got, you know, his hook. Yeah. Buster has his, his hook bejeweled. And 
And, you know, so this is where we get the family meeting, um, mostly from the point of view of one corner of the room with just Tony Hale and Jessica Walters. <laughs> yeah. Not completely obvious that basically the rest of it is kind of the back of some people's heads that aren't the other actors from the show. But yeah, so, you know, we get we get the, the final kind of part of this meeting because we've seen it from different perspectives. We've seen it from Job's perspective where, you know, Anne is sitting next to the sofa um, you know, staying silent. We've seen it from like Maybe's point of view. We've seen it from you know um, George Michael's point of view, from George's point of view. Like, you know, like we've seen it from everyone's point of view, and we're finally getting the final kind of key part of the the meeting, which is that Buster is going to be the witness, and he he stands up and recites what will be his um, alibi for Lucille, uh, which is. Homosexuals kidnapped the boat and took it on a joyride. Mother didn't want to trample their rights, so she let them. Then she realized her son had fell off the boat and into the water, and she went back. And then he goes, oh, and a fish swam by and <laughs> bit my ankle. And then he goes, that really happened. And he goes, should I keep that to Lucille? And she goes, make it an eel. And of course, Buster just shouts out, it's going to be an eel. And <laughs> I love how we see Barry in the kitchen. He goes, better. Um, <laughs> so... I, I don't know. It's just it's just funny that that's kind of the the the, the thing that she's decided. Because the jury will like an eel better than a fish. I, don't, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I just like how Buster is the only person who is you know willing to testify. Um, and you know, Lucille sees a sticker on the bottom of a martini shaker that says Job, <laughs> and the narrator does actually say, uh, you know, she discovered the family that she believed supported her had actually started begun divvying up her stuff in, in case she lost. Um, and of course, we see George Michael's uh, signature on the bottom of the ashtray, which will be called back to later. Um, which now the weirdest thing is, she seems to think um, that that George Michael has only just put this on the bottom of the ashtray. When it's obviously like it was like you know uh, Eshton tear when it was when the ceramic uh, child's gift ashtray was basically made. But <laughs> but I I like how she says this does not bode well for tomorrow. Yeah, which she, is just and she's also and she and hadn't he's, noticed he's supposed to be the good one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so obviously you know it's it, the narrator actually lets us know that most of them had claimed the things years earlier, um, you know, and he says she was right to worry about the turnout for the trial, and we get to the crab shack courtroom with uh, Judge Cornzucker. Um, and Barry brings the only witness who was actually turned up, and that is Lucia Lostero. While doing one of those children menu things for the, for the oyster bar. Yes, Barry, yes, Barry is preoccupied. <laughs> um, and Lucille um, <laughs> points out that Lucille too owns uh, the Bluth Company. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she says she's a dear friend. And so she decides to do the cross-examination of Lucille too herself. Um, and they call Lucille Ostero to the stand. And of course, Lucille one says to her, you're such a large shareholder. Oh, I've made a pun. <laughs> and of course, uh, Lucille two says, you're my oldest friend. And she goes, oh, and now I've got another double. Um, and we end up with this kind of back and forth uh, where, you know, Lucille says a double like your pre-surgery chin. And Lucille two says, or your post-breakfast drink. Um, and... Uh, you know, I like that, uh, that Lucille, you know, they call out the fact that um, Lucille, too, has adopted um, uh, Perfecto Tellus uh, <laughs> at this point. Uh, and, you know, Lucille 
ends up saying that uh, you know your pillow must look like a Rorschach test. Uh, you know, a reference to the. F- I'm th- I mean, I think in real life, Liza Melanie does dye her hair black. Um, so you know, that's obviously a, a reference to both the character and the actress. And the narrator points out that the thirty-year passive-aggressive dance was losing some of its passive. And yeah, you know, by the with... end of it, they're just <laughs> they're they're kind of just saying the truth by the end. Um, and you know, it finishes with Lucille saying no further questions, and Lucille too saying no further answers. <laughs> Um, and they then, you know, obviously, this is my favorite part is that Lucille gets put on ice. Um, obviously, you know, ice being a key theme of, of uh, some of the earlier seasons. Um, and she's in the cold storage room when someone comes in and, um, Lucille asks, have you heard anything? And I love that the worker says, ah, Cassie is pregnant and she's not married. And of course, Lucille goes, no, no. About me, and of course the worker goes, "Oh, you're guilty." Three to five, um, <laughs> and slams the door shut on Lucille, uh, sitting there shivering. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, there's there's a there's a kind of um, a kind of bit of satire here about the, the the American prison system, and in particular, the you know the kind of the the the, the facilities that are made. Uh, available to uh, more wealthy prisoners. The white-collar criminals, minimum security, kind of yeah, country kind club of, kind of atmosphere. That the narrator says had become popular after the Enron debacle. And I think it's so weird because, you know, like in 2013, I'm not sure that, you know, the Enron was, like the whole Enron thing was still a, like a huge thing because I, that happened in like, I don't know, like 2004-ish. Was so. the documentary coming out then? Like I know they did a they did a like a I don't know if it was uh in theaters but like they did like a actual documentary movie about Enron and stuff like that and it might have been around that time when they came out. You mean smart, smartest guys in the room? Yeah, that one. Yeah, now that was two thousand and five that they came. Oh, <laughs> so, the, so yeah, so this is like in two thousand thirteen. Enron yeah. isn't a particularly I don't know. It's it's just such a it's such a weird thing that it isn't like that contemporary of a reference. But Maybe, I guess it fits. It fits with. I guess it was the biggest white, like white collar scandal thing that they could think of. Yeah. Or at least refer to that they knew everyone would know at least. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I like I, you know, obviously after after Enron, there were a number. Of, you know, there were a few other companies that kind of crashed mm-hmm. in the same way. Um, you know, particularly, I mean, you know, Enron happened around the time of the, you know, when the bubble burst in, after the dot com crash. Mm-hmm. But there were some of the companies that were also taken down in 2008. But I, I mean, I guess that if this is meant to be set, you know, about five years before 2013, I guess that Enron is kind of a more recent reference. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I still, yeah. it still is. Still it, feels, little... it feels like a, a little kind of a little bit like a bit like a bit of an old reference. Um, but obviously, you know, there were some yeah. there were some wives of Enron um, executives who ended up in kind of these types of prisons, you know, the, the like you say, the country club type prisons. Um, and maybe this is kind of more of a reference to that. Obviously, you know, the fact that Lucille essentially was the mastermind behind the Bluth company and its kind of corruption, <laughs> it just kind of being hinted at here a little bit. Um, and we find out that, you know, it's a perfectly pleasant place to stay. Uh, we have already seen this in one of the Lindsay episodes where we, you know, we see Lucille playing tennis and, you know, being part of it. So we have seen that it's an easy ride already. Um, but, you know, we find out here that um, 
Well, I mean, and then the line from the receptionist where she says, if you're sexually assaulted by a guard, and Lucille goes, a $20 gratuity is appreciated? And, and, and the receptionist oh, goes, Paul. no, but press 7 on your phone. If you try to go um, through the front desk, I, it'll take forever. It'll take forever, yeah. Um, and, you know, Lucille gets a visit from George Sr., who, you know, obviously talks about how he was on the sweat lodge, you know, losing two days. Yeah. You know, their exchange here, where, you know, they talk about the, you know, the spa bills. Yeah, and, where uh, she mentions the person who gives you gives you the towels is also the one who does your cavity searches, so you, you tip. <laughs> and, and Barry is trying to get the sentence reduced if Lucille will go to rehab rather than, you know, being in prison. And obviously Lucille doesn't want to go to, um, you know, Lucille 2's uh, rehab clinic. For some made-up uh, disease or, or addiction, like, oh, I don't know, alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, China Garden helps uh, Lucille out um, and, you know, says that her aunt Olive is very well connected. <laughs> Oh. Um, you know, and again, like uh, Olive Garden, like China Garden and Olive Garden feel like kind of, I don't know, they feel like more obvious jokes, but they're still, I mean, still quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I, I, I was like one, I just like they always seem to always get like mixed up with China Garden too. when like even when uh, uh, George says to Lucille, do you know China Garden? And she's like, I know the one by the bay. <laughs> and he's like, no, that one closed, and this one's a person. Um, yeah, and Lucille gets admitted as a probationary member to the uh, the, the Jade Triad, uh, which, you know, I think it's funny because obviously, you know, it's been a triad. A triad is a double reference here in that obviously there's three members in the gang, and obviously the triads are a, a real-life Japanese gang. <laughs> um and so, you know, there's a little bit of a double reference there. And Lucille's method of smoking where she didn't have to go out into the balcony while she was under house arrest uh, by using Buster to get rid of the smoke is then um, <laughs> is used here. And it's a loophole. Oh. As everyone, I mean, this is this is kind of like considering that you have like... Um, you know, Amy Hill as was one of the the Jade Triad gang, um, and you know she is you know a re I mean I would say a reasonably well respected yeah. you know actress, <laughs> and and she's sitting there making a, a an R and L Chinese so, joke yeah. where, where where she's going RuPaul RuPaul. She's like and she's like you had to choose the most hard like the hardest word ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you know they do they do that gag a little bit, and then obviously inmates transporting their smoke to the windows. And um, I like not only did they basically it start. I like how they had a progression to that joke where um, at first you just see them doing like transferring smoke with one person and running over the window, but then later in the episode you see that they actually do like a bucket brigade chain of of them getting the smoke from one person, <laughs> passing it to the next person, and so on, so that they don't have to keep running back forth we find out here that you know um olive garden's husband is very powerful um and you know this is where they, they make the joke that um olive garden will give them unlimited bread <laughs> by which they mean she will fund the wall um and you know the chinese will own a piece of the wall between the u.s and mexico and lucille actually says no they'll own it all but they'll make us rich in the process uh, you know, and and they they come up with the idea that they need to make sure that Michael um, will not try and make a claim on the company again. Um, you know, they need to they need him to sign a release, uh, and this will, <laughs> this will lead to a great joke later on. 
Um, I, but yeah, and, and the conversation. I love the conversation she has with George, where where he's like, you know, I'm kind of worried that this might be in that treason adjacent territory that <laughs> yeah. might cause the U.S. government to retaliate and, yeah. and execute us. And she's like, oh, they won't execute a woman for this. Um, and then obviously we get to the the change in the economy, which leads to the government putting the war project on hold. Yeah. And obviously tensions mount in the Jade Triad, <laughs> where um, you know we also find out that uh, that Lucille is um, <laughs> is I mean well I mean Olive Garden says first that they're gonna end she's gonna end up with noodles in her belly, um, which of course Lucille says I like noodles and she goes not this way very hard to digest. Um, and you know, um, <laughs> the narrator says she was beca- she was be- even being controlling of the R A P H O C W P S reality TV group, <laughs> um, where you know Lucille is asking them, you know, if they need to do a line a second time, or you know, if they can you get reaction shots and all that kind of stuff. You know, things kind of um, you know kind of boil over, and uh, No tries to uh, stab Lucille. Um, and of course, uh, Lucille throws water over the the noodles uh, and blows powder in Mrs. O's eyes. Um, and as she's being taken down, Lucille says, "This will be more exciting if you jump cut it," um, <laughs> giving suggestions even as she's being kind of like taken down. And that's when Olive um, has had enough. Yes, <laughs> and you know, we find out this is the point at which um, George has found out that they're on the wrong side of the Mexican yeah. border. And they need a new plan. And Lucille says that they need Herbert Love to come out against the wall. Um, and then, you know, uh, after they've got enough of it up for the government to trigger the payment. And, um, you know, <laughs> this is where we end up with, um, you know, Michael um, kind of signing over the rights to the company. Um, uh, uh, although he's already spoken to George Senior, you know, who obviously has signed over his rights for the film. And we've ended up with a a, a four favor family pact, <laughs> yeah. as the narrator says. Um, we get get the scene on the street where they were talking about it, and I love how yeah. he says like, "So what's what's the ta- like tally here at the end?" Like at the end, they're like uh, trying to uh, trying to remember who's owed what's favors and remembering yeah. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is where George Senior suggests that um, Michael visit his mother. Though obviously it's worth, I mean, I think at this point it is George Senior, though later on in the episode it will become Oscar without Lucille realizing it's Oscar, but you yeah. know, the audience still thinks it's George Senior as well. So uh, there's a kind of a weird bit of crossover there. But obviously at this point, in George, we're, we're kind of past the end of George Senior's second episode where he met up with Michael. Um, and, you and know, before Michael shows up. We get the she gets the DVD. Well, this is it. Yeah, after after we find out that um, Michael has been persuaded to visit, yeah, uh, Lucille, uh, we we see the evidence of the wall. Now the ever the wall being built in inverted commas there because obviously it was never built in in George's second episode. This is the kind of the the footage from that where George drove around and around and around, causing Buster to to get <laughs> nauseous. And yeah. end up having to get out of the the trailer. Those, binoc- those binoculars didn't help. No, <laughs> which is another, which actually has a little callback in this episode. At this point, we see George Senior driving around talking about how we built miles and miles of wall, and um, <laughs> then Buster ends up outside of the 
the trailer against one portion of the wall. And of course, as George Sr. drives past it each time, uh, you see him once more just yelling daddy each time, each time yeah. he goes past Buster. And, you know, George Sr. talking about how we love America. Um, <laughs> and this is where Lucille says, uh, my God, he steamboat willied it. <laughs> Which, you know, the repeating footage uh, kind of technique that they used with the steamboat willy, obviously uh, a very kind of odd reference for her to make, but I just love how specific it is. And that you kind of understand exactly what she means. Yeah. Um, and this is where Lucille starts to see stickers on various positions <laughs> in her room. And she decides, uh, you know, she calls Job. Uh, and, um, he, you know, he says he's dating someone famous to her. Um, and Lucille says that he needs to build the wall. But Job is working with Michael. Obviously, he's working with Michael on selling the, uh, you know, the now completed Sudden Valley. Um, and Lucille, you know, is not happy with the idea that the two of them are working together. Um, uh, and but then she, she asks, says the line, bad things happen when brothers work together. <laughs> yeah. And what, 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 and then they show, what, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the, 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 the they like showed three examples of, uh. Oh yes. Of, they have like the, the Menendez brothers. Yes. The Menendez brothers. That's it. And then, and then like the final one they show is, 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 or like they show uh, Emmett and uh, I forget which Richter, you know, Rocky, Rocky, Emmett and Rocky, Emmett and, Rocky Richter, yeah. and then they ended with like Zach and Cody. <laughs> a reference to the fact that Zach and Cody are at the uh, at the OPs. Um, yeah. And of course, Lucille asks, is there anyone out there with half a brain that can help me? And of course, Job says, I don't know about half a brain, but Tobias is living with me right now and he's not very bright, <laughs> which, uh, of course. And then she, she, he says that she's working at uh, he's working at austerity. And then this is where Lucille decides to put on the old drunk act, which, you know, we all know is not an act. Yeah. Uh, of even, course, even Job, Job, Job goes, says... was was that an act? Yeah, but obviously she's hung up by the time he says that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we get kind of the... This episode then ties up with the second of the, the Tobias episodes um, where um, Lucille arrives and, um, I mean, Lucille is kind of like super drunk or at least pretending to be kind of slurring her words. The narrator says that it was acting as well as you would see at the Method 1 clinic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and we end up with Tobias and Lucille having, um, you know, sessions where um, Lucille um, just wants him to sign the piece of paper so that she can be released. Uh, and this is, it's funny actually, because this is the point where <laughs> Tobias is meant to be telling everyone he's a sex offender, but he doesn't tell Lucille he's a sex offender. Um, and he gets into a thing where he's like, don't worry about what the state of California thinks, which is, <laughs> you know, and he's looking to, you know, actually do some therapy on, on Lucille and she's looking to get out of there quickly. And instead they end up staring at each other silently for a number of sessions. <laughs> and he's like, um, I, I, well, I can't make you talk, but I can. And then he just like gets into like a listening position. <laughs> and waits a few minutes, then there's a beat. And she's like, okay, if I can't trick you into, uh, you know, speaking, you're, you're still going to have to, like, sit here for this, uh, 
the full time of the session. In the middle of this, obviously, we have the Fantastic Four musical, which is going on. And they're trying to, you know, um, figure out who is the villain. Because up until now, the musical has just consisted of the Fantastic Four dancing around. Which I love the idea that they've got this far and they haven't even decided that there's going to be a villain in the piece. It's just really funny that that's the progress they've made is the Fantastic Four dancing around and no other Um, kind of... Um, was... You know, nothing going up against them. And I'm trying to remember uh, which Richter uh, sibling it's is Emmett. in Emmett. And yeah, they he... can't show his face. Yeah, and he met, and he mentions uh, what is Lu- Lucia van Bardis, yes. which is the, you know the the character from the comics and stuff like that. And either he's referencing like, has none of you ever picked well either the comics or the script? And I'm kind of find it funnier that he, he meant the script, like that someone actually wrote. A script and there is a villain in the script but no one ever actually read it all the way through for that yeah i mean he actually says have you guys even read one of these things but yeah <laughs> um yeah and you know this is where tobias during one of lucille's session he starts writing out the ideas for the casting call which is you know this woman is a villain um and you know this is where lucille kind of breaks down and says that her you know her chinese gang mates were red you're gonna noodle stab her and one of the guards called her gangy um, you know, a reference to the fact that she was, of course, the inspiration for this, uh, you know, monster movie villain. Um, and then, you know, um, Tobias says, um, I was just writing a casting breakdown. Uh, and Lucille talks about how, you know, she was about to cry for the first time in 60 years. Remember, you know, she was hid under Mama's porch during a thunderstorm, and of course, Tobias breaks, you know, stops her and says, "It's it's it's not a stupid play; it's a musical." <laughs> because uh, just when she was about to have an epiphany, yeah, and, involving an ostrich, <laughs> yeah, a recurring theme in this season. Uh, and you know, Tobias gets the agreement of Lucille to be the villain for the for the musical, but she still has to um, audition, and she sings a song that is basically. <laughs> Um, her, her life yeah her life where she says her husband defies me doesn't surprise me um, you know I'll put up a wall um, I want to flee <laughs> it's like these are all kind of you know obvious statements and of course Argyle uh, Ostero says terrifying <laughs> um, you know which I can't Toby's is like isn't she yeah did we did we mention why she agreed to do this because she heard that they're they're going to be on a boat yes yeah gonna... yeah we get a we get a and... flashback of take to the sea from a young barry <laughs> sea, yeah um and obviously you know it's going to be on a boat at cinco is is how uh, tobias describes it we then get a kind of diversion where oscar is looking for a lucille and he's not looking for this lucille um <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but he he ends up talking to this lucille uh, and you know she thinks it's george and so um oscar pretends to be um george and finds out ha- that that um, lucille is planning at cinco to flee the country on a boat and jean parmesan has photos of herbert love with a redhead um <laughs> and um you know it doesn't matter what they do with the wall we find out you know that uh, that michael is going to visit um, and uh, this is actually where Lucille says bad things happen when brothers collude. Um, obviously, oh, yeah, so you know, this part. George and Oscar had had or, have already kind of colluded in a in a certain way because um, you know Oscar has been showing up on on George's behalf, um, so she doesn't realize it, but she already has been the victim of two brothers colluding. Um, yeah, and this yeah. is where we see the Menendezes and the Richters and uh, Cody and Zach. 
Um, and Oscar is a little bit kind of heartbroken to find out that he's not having any sex with the Lucille today. Uh, and Michael finally enters the story, roughly 20 minutes into the episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is the first time that he's seen, you know, his mother since he decided he was out of the family once and for all. You know, obviously something we've seen from a, a couple of different angles in different episodes um, is Michael deciding that he's out of the family for good. And at this point, Lucille just needs a signature. And obviously, Michael also just needs a signature. Yes. And we see them both reading through contracts in split screen <laughs> um, for and a few minutes. I do like how, like, pretty much every other time uh, Michael's gone for a signature or some of the others have gone for signatures, it's usually they don't even bother reading it. But it's only Michael and Lucille who would who basically purposely spend time to look through the the contracts because they yeah because they know they know each other so well that they wouldn't they wouldn't risk just passing it over to sign it yeah uh yeah that's it yeah it is interesting that they're the only though they're the two who you know michael is meant to be the least corrupt of the blues and obviously lucille is the most corrupt uh, but they both they both kind of know each other they know you know lucille knows that michael might try and trick her uh because of you know his his innocence and, uh, you know, Lucille obviously is known for her deception. So they both spend 25 minutes reading the, the contracts and then they eventually sign. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is where Michael, you know, he finds out from Lucille that, um, you know, some <laughs> Herbert Love is dating Lindsay. Um, and obviously Lucille realizes who that is. And then she says, um, I hear you're dating an actress who's also dating Ron Howard. And of course, <laughs> Michael, after his, you know, um, I'm trying to remember whose episode it's in, but uh, I think it's Tobias's second episode where he's found out that Ron Howard is not, he's <laughs> not dating Rebel and is in fact her father. Um, and then, of course, um, we get a, we actually, it's interesting here because we get diverted to, you know, Michael's scene. Um, with uh, yeah. with with Lem Howard as as Gene Parmesan. No, no, no. The the son of oh no. Oh, this is where we get sorry. the son of Rebel Alley. We find out right, right. Um, you know, we find out about uh, about Michael switching the the things on the flowers, and uh, yeah, from, the one from George Maharis. Um, and <laughs> that's the I I thought we were already at the other scene. No, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> I like how Michael says to to uh, to Lem Howard um, <laughs> in my ga- in my family you play a game called if you do something for me. <laughs> so he he agrees to give him the the Dove Bar, which is which is in a a brown paper bag in the fridge, uh, if he tells him who George Maharis is. Um, and um, you know, I I like how and Lem's like we have a Dove Bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the dove, you know, is as you would expect, because it says uh, do not eat. Um, and the reason it's a dove bar is because it's a dove uh, from the bar where Rebel went. Um, and she accidentally killed, uh, she accidentally killed it uh, when she hit, um, when she hit Job with her, uh, her, her handbag. And, you know, this is where we get Lucille laying the seeds of doubt that George Maharis might be George Oscar Bluth, um, and I like how Michael goes. Uh, yeah, George is Job's first name, <laughs> as if people have called him Job so often, everyone has forgotten what his first name stands for. <laughs> um, 
And then, you know, we see Michael remembering something strange and we see him tipping out the bag and a, a frozen dove falls out. Um, and there's a tag on it that says "Love each other." The information the kid gives that Lem gives is not very helpful. No, or at least it is helpful, but not in the way you would think it would be. <laughs> no, where he's like, well, he's like, is he older? And and he and he's like older than you because, well, we find out later that uh, George Maharis was lying about his age. Yeah, and and then he says he kind of looks like you, which is. I guess because it, you know because of who George Maharis actually is, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and we find out that um, you know <laughs> that from from Tobias's second episode where he has the whole me doth think he hath a lady thing, uh, we find out that uh, that Job is dating a celebrity. Obviously, we will find out in Job's second episode exactly who that celebrity is, and it's not who you yeah. would think it would be. Um, but I like that Lucille suggests, you know, put a tail on him, get a PI. And Michael, of course, goes, uh, where the hell am I going to find a PI? And we see Jean Parmesan at your service. Um, and, of course, Lucille screams and says, it's Jean. He gets me every time. And, of course, Michael says, what was he doing here? And he goes, oh, he's working for me. And then, and then he asks, why would you scream then? And, of course, Lucille points to the African-American across the room and goes, I thought he was that guy. Um, and I just I I mean obviously I love Martin Wallace Gene Parmesan even though he was only ever in one episode of the original run and he's in like three episodes of this uh, you know yeah so he's he's getting way more screen time than he ever did in the original series um, but you know the fact that his entire disguise consisted of a sticker with the letters A R and Y over <laughs> on, his, on on a badge you know. Um, <laughs> it's just it's i don't know it's just it's kind of pathetic um and of course he's got another disguise as a fry cook except of course that's just his actual job yeah which uh i like how when michael needles him he's like this from the person in in the satellite car yeah um obviously they can't say google so yeah (laughs) he just says the you know the guy driving around in a mapping car like just to genericize it um, and he has the binoculars out. Binoculars. And as they're driving along, he keeps getting nauseous <laughs> because he keeps looking through binoculars while while driving. Um, and Michael <laughs> has to pull over, and that is that's that's as much Jean Parmesan as we get in this episode. Um, though it should be mentioned, you know, a number of members of the family have eaten Parmesan throughout the the, the, the series, and they've uh, they've put some mustard on it. Uh, which is a very oblique reference to the fact that Martin Mull played um, Colonel Mustard in Clue. Um, mm-hmm. So you have Mustard and Parmesan, <laughs> uh, two of his roles combined. Uh, we find out Lucille is working on her tap dancing um, as part of the musical. And, um, you know, Debris kind of... This is, um, this is a step or something. Yeah, and she... She, she claims to have hurt her leg. And she says that she needs some Tylenol with codeine or maybe some Morphy Morph. <laughs> And of course, Tobias says, don't you want to get back on the horse? And of course, Tabri goes even better. Um, you know, a reference there, of course, to heroin. Um, and, you know, we find out that Lucille is the best villain casting since Shirley MacLaine in Gangi 4, uh, which, of course, is subtitled <laughs> Facelift. Um, and we get to, finally, the Night of Cinco, um, and Lucille kind of looks for George because she thought she was going to escape on a boat with him. Uh, a boat which Marky Bark steals yeah. uh, because it was just an idling boat. And that's what he expected uh, Lindsay to leave him. 
Um, and this is where we find out that, um, you know, Oscar, uh, it's revealed to Lucille that Oscar has been standing in for George. Um, and, uh, you know, and a, a few times George has actually made the conjugal visits. Um, but, you know, he he, <laughs> he doesn't want to really kind of be with Lucille doesn't really want to be with him. And so she asks for a real divorce. Um, and I like how she says you're out of the marriage, <laughs> which is. You know, a great way of putting it. Um, and then the narrator says, and that's when she came face to face with the man whose face she just faced um, <laughs> as she meets up with Oscar. And of course, she says that Oscar should get, you know, an Oscar for his portrayal of George in Screw the Oblivious, Oblivious Sister-in-Law. And, you know, uh, he's only in this kind of, you know, these these two brief scenes here, but, um, um, you know, well, properly. I mean, obviously, we saw Oscar earlier, but this is, a, you know, this is the only interaction between him and Jessica Walter in this episode. Jeffrey Tambor goes from playing George to playing Oscar, and Oscar is obviously more upbeat and hopeful, and you know, kind of is <laughs> is more obviously uh, in love with Lucille, and he kind of really does want to run away with her. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, he says he's only here for the donkey punch. Um, which is a reference that I'm not going to describe, but if people wish to look it up on the internet, be warned, it is not safe for work. Safe search on. Well, if you put safe search on, I don't think you'll find anything. That's the problem. Oh, um, good point. Yeah, so um, so that's, that's kind of a quick thing that kind of goes by. And then we find out that um, Oscar, when he was searching for a different uh, Lucille earlier, um, he was actually after Lucille too. Um, and we, the narrator says he was actually polling for Lucille too, um, and we have a sticker that's been slapped on his his butt by Lucille Ostero, which says "My kind of Lucille," um, which I thought is quite a, a good, uh, you know, a good a good thing. And of course, <laughs> Oscar says, uh, "I don't know if it's the Macca, but I've been so randy lately." Um, now, obviously, the Macca was probably the cause of why, um, you know. George Senior wasn't Randy, so I don't know. I don't know what the macker is doing, but I don't think it's that. Well, yeah, but it is possible to have different effects on the on the person because if you think about it, their chem- the chemical makeup between the two two Blue Brothers might actually be va- vastly different, especially when you consider one has been uh, using like marijuana for like how long? Yeah, I, I guess. I guess yeah. It probably that probably makes sense. Um, but this is you know finding out that the term Oscar was looking for a different Lucille. Um, they they break up and of course Lucille runs into Tobias, um, you know a, a therapist who could could have used a storm, um, because <laughs> Sue Storm uh, debris has I think at this point has has vanished and um, and Tobias talks about how you know Lucille is not the villain um, and you know she he goes what you are is the invisible girl. Um, and I think he's trying to tell her that her role in the musical has changed, yeah. but she's really not hearing it. And instead, she actually makes like a breakthrough, um, you know. Yeah. Um, with a, the rehab. A, like a character breakthrough about how how she is to her children, blah, 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 and all that. It's, it's, it's actually, an, actually, like I, like I was, uh, one of the reasons I like the show is that she actually does have like a breakthrough of herself. Like she, she sees herself pretty clearly and, and I think, and I think it's nice that at the end of the scene, she actually wants to, because she's not happy with it. She's not happy how she sees how people see her or how she originally seen her, seen herself, and she actually wants to change that. Yeah, and of course, we get playing underneath the music from the musical "Don't Want to Be Invisible." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> of course, Tobias asks 
uh, do you have time to change into the wick? But of course, by that point, Lucille has already left. Uh, and we know that uh, Lu- Tobias decides he's going to, you know, um, become the invisible girl, uh, covering himself in blue paint um, and and going off to, to you know, become uh, Sue Storm. Um, and, we f- and wearing the cutoffs. Yes. And we find out that um, <laughs> at this particular point, Lucille, too, uh, becomes the invisible girl. Uh, we see, we see her. You know the the, the blood on the steps. Um, obviously, you know yeah. something that will be. Uh, I'm hoping resolved in season five. And then on the next episode of Arrested Development, we get. Well, I mean, this doesn't actually appear in any other episode than this. So the you know the on the next is ba- is back to being kind of like a just an extension of the main episode. And we see <laughs> yeah. the scene between Marky Bark and Tobias, who are now on a boat. Um, and uh, Marky Bark has put a bomb on a boat, um, and he sees Lindsay on the boat where the bomb is, the 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 love boat where the love bomb is going to be. And of course, uh, this is the point at which um, Lindsay, in her second episode, has just kind of riled the crowd up um, to get them so that they will they will want a wall to be built. Uh, crazy that a politician would make a speech about building a wall, but uh, you know this is the 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 kind of uh, the crazy world that that was was imagined in two thousand thirteen, um, and at this particular point, um, <laughs> the bomb uh, blows up, um, and it turns out to be kind of romantic. The narrator says, and then he finishes by saying that, L- that Lindsay and Tobias have matching suitcases, and that is a callback to like a joke from the very first like Lindsay episode. Um, yeah, you know, and I just I you know I like how they kind of pay it off here, um, you know. But that's the end of the episode, and it's funny because the on the next has nothing to do with Lucille at all. Um, no. You know, she's she's kind of already vanished um, from from the show at that point. With each of these episodes, where we've had different people kind of take the spotlight, you know, there's always been a risk that some of the kind of side characters, um, you know. Uh, could not kind of sustain a full episode. Now, I would say that's not the case with Lucille because uh, if you remember the episode My Mother the Car from season one where they had like the surprise parties, um, you know, there was a surprising amount of kind of emotional weight that was put into that story between Lucille and Michael. And that episode is mostly Lucille, you know, like that's one of the rare times in the series where there was an episode that kind of mostly focused on a character. Um and, you know, that was also where she had a bit of a breakdown and said she was a terrible mother and, you know, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, you know, Jessica Walters has kind of had the spotlight in in episodes before now. Uh, so this isn't kind of too much different to, you know, a, a normal series episode. And in fact, because of the amount of kind of uh, the different bits of plot and, you know, obviously the, the new jokes with the, the Jade triad and all that kind of stuff. To me, this actually feels more like a kind of season three episode more than a season four episode. Uh, I don't know how you how you feel about that. Yeah, I kind of it kind of does feel uh, a little bit more like the season three. Like it definitely doesn't feel like it's very specifically just Lucille, though it does you know focus on her. Uh, like you know some of the seasons, you know some of the seasons episodes like throughout the seasons had like you know kind of a focus on one of the characters with B-plots running, and that's kind of what's happening here, where there's a focus on Lucille, but we still get these sides with Michael and T- Tobias and and uh, and George and Oscar. So, I mean, I don't know, like, may, I guess I guess it does, it does say that one of the, sh- one of uh, Arrested Development's strengths is 
is using the Hulk is using like multiple people in the cast if they if they can. Yeah. Not to say that I don't I don't enjoy a lot of season four. Like I know not a lot of people like the change in format, but I I still enjoy season four as as its own like you know change like change in tone change and stuff like that. But I do like some of the you know how it's most it's very folk like character focused. Uh, but this, you're right. This does feel like one of the, like a season three, like it, like one of the previous uh, tone of uh, some of the other other seasons, as opposed to what what the, what we've been seeing in season four. Yeah, and I think also the the fact that we get so much of Buster as well kind of makes it feel a bit more like season seasons one, two, or three, because that relationship between Buster and Lucille is essentially absent. We've had Lucille in other episodes, but it's been you know mm-hmm. between it's just been usually her and you know, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, like that's the only other character she's really interacted with up until this point. So I think having Michael in this episode, having Buster in this episode, um, you know, uh, having, I mean, you get Job on the phone and you get Lindsay at the very end. Um, so you get kind of all of the Bluth kids. And this is kind of the only episode that really kind of does that apart from, well, I was going to say apart from Buster's episode, but Buster's episode is really, isolated from the rest of the show there's basically nobody else in the show apart from buster and the buster episode it really just does feel like a completely different show um but you know we'll get to that in a couple of episodes time but yeah you know the the kind of having all the different kids in the episode and the kind of the interactions between you know with george and oscar and you have michael and, and you've got tobias like all of that makes it feel like it's not just a Lucille episode. You know, obviously all the stuff at the start with the, the Real Housewives and all that kind of thing, that, that does kind of make it feel like it's just about her. But as soon as you're out of the prison and you're into the whole austerity stuff, um, you know, particularly the fact that, like, Jean Parmesan shows up, she talks with Barry a lot. You know, the whole court scene is her and Lucille too. So it really yeah. feels like, um, you know, there are other episodes that use more of the cast members, but this feels a lot more like a, one of the original series episodes to me. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously Jessica Waters is, is great in the, in the, the main role anyway, you know, like putting an episode <laughs> on her isn't really a risk. Whereas, you know, if you, if you, you know, you know, Jessica Walter is a good actor, actress, um, you know, and she's, you know, she's obviously been doing this for years, uh, but, Putting putting an episode on David Cross and having that character, you know, having Tobias have to carry an, carry an episode or having Lindsay to carry an episode, that's a bit more of a risk because um, although those actors are great, the characters themselves are a little thinner, and so it it feels like more of a risk. Uh, whereas you know Jessica Walter, Jessica Walter can carry an episode, and and there's no real risk there. It feels like it, I think it is kind of mostly just like due to her due to her like uh ability as an actor because despite like how op- you know how much she is a, a part of the her uh Jessica Walters character Lucille Lucille Bluth is a, is a part of the whole narrative of of uh arrested development and stuff like that she she is kind of because they you know because she's not Michael like the cuz the she's not exactly like as fleshed out as it is with uh with uh Michael or George Michael or some of the some of the other characters but she's still I think it's because you know Jessica Walters just is one of those great actors that she still kind of makes it makes you know makes her presence known whenever she's around yeah. or is in a scene or anything like that and yeah and the thing is as well is you know if you've got Henry Winkler and Jessica Walter on screen then you know there's not going to be or or you know with um 
uh, you know, with um, Amy Hill and, uh, you know, like the, the the other actors in the, this episode are, are as strong as she is, you know. Uh, and and mm-hmm. as particularly when you've got Liza Minnelli and Jessica Walter on screen for like yeah. three minutes just doing back and forth. I don't think you can kind of go wrong with that, um, you know. No. So it's and, and it also, this is one of the episodes that doesn't rely too heavily on crisscrossing with all the other episodes. So, you know, a lot of the other episodes, particularly like the second Job episode, the second Michael episode, like the second, particularly the second episodes of some of the characters from earlier in the show, uh, you know, the second Tobias episode, they really kind of start calling back and crossing over with lots of other episodes. The only real crossover you get here is the trial. You know, uh, all the other episodes up to this point, you've kind of featured it. So that's the only real crossover. But you're only ever seeing it from Lucille's point of view. Um, so it kind of makes it feel like it's not really the same as some of the other stuff where, you you know, you have like 20 seconds of, you know, uh, a, a Job episode in Maybe's episode. Or you have like a one scene from George's episodes in a in a Lindsay episode. You know, like it doesn't feel that kind of um, put piece together as some of the other episodes in the season have felt up until this point. Yeah. And I think you actually actually uh, when we when we started, you mentioned that it it, it didn't have much many callbacks itself yeah but then i just like was pointing out some of the things i think it was it's more of like a very self-contained callbacks like the things with the binoculars the ostrich they're so they're very subtle but it does have its own callbacks but they're just so self-contained that you might miss them yeah like i think i think it's just one of the things where like like you said like not only is this like a season three episode but it's kind of one of very well in in captured like it doesn't like you said it doesn't have it doesn't cross over with all the other ones so it's still kind of is able to keep itself together like in this all little bubble and stuff like that but still be a major part of the whole season as a whole you know like still important to the rest of the season in certain ways um so you know i i feel like we've said as much as we can about this episode yeah um so let's move on to any plugs you have anything you wish to plug jordan first i want to also plug like more of this uh i've made a huge mistake because i think even though this is the second time I've been on uh, this season, I think I've actually done an episode per season for this for this <laughs> series. So I think it's kind of neat that I've like done one for season one, two, three, and now four. But you know, there's also a lot of uh, people I know who have actually also talked with you about this too. So if if you're just going going by a specific season, which I'm not sure. <laughs> If that's what you would do when listening to this, maybe give them a listen to if you haven't already. Also, I'm on a podcast called Worn Beasts, which is a uh, Transformers Beast Wars cartoon rewatch. We are actually going to move on to Beast Machines, which was the follow-up to Beast Wars that wasn't as well received. So, But not a lot of us remember it, so we're going to see how that goes. Okay. (laughs) And uh, can we find you on Twitter? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, You can find... You can find me at uh, Dory underscore Mingu. That's D-O-R-I underscore M-I-N-G-U. Uh, usually I retweet a lot of stuff from uh, Warren Beast and the amateur podcast group we're part of called Audio Entropy. Occasionally I put up like actual tweets though. So if uh, you know, you're know you interested in some of that stuff, you can follow me there. You can find us on Twitter at uh, a huge mistake pod. Uh, obviously you can find us on iTunes and uh, various other places like that I think we're also on Facebook at as, as Huge Mistake Podcast I don't think I've ever said anything about this but um, previously um, there, there is another podcast that has the same title as this um, and they are kind of like um, a typical kind of like 
uh, you know, few guys hanging around kind of uh, chatting type podcast. Um, and I haven't listened to an episode really, uh, because obviously, you know, I've been busy making podcasts myself. Um, so I don't yeah. really have the time to sit around listening to podcasts just because they share the same title as mine. Um, but there were a few reviews where people claimed somehow that I had stolen their name. Like, uh, I, I, like I was an imposter podcast. Um, and obviously they didn't understand that the title of this podcast comes from a phrase from a show that was made like 14 years ago. So there's no way <laughs> that I am stealing anything from a podcast that has the same name as this. Um, so, you know, <laughs> up until this point, I haven't felt the need to mention it, but it's just funny that there's a couple of reviews on this podcast that seem to think that I am somehow stealing the thunder of another podcast that, that also shares a <laughs> phrase from a TV show. But obviously, I guess they never watched Arrested Development. Uh, I'm hoping that you can join us all next time for an episode that will not be about George Maharis, but it will be about another George because it will be about George <laughs> Oscar Bluth the second. Uh, better known by by the name Job. Um, so, and my guest for that will be Kevin Lynch once more, who of course was the guest on the previous Job episode. Thanks for joining me as my guest here today, Jordan. Oh, it was fun. And otherwise, uh, goodbye. Bye.